Welcome to Buddha Vista, episode 158. I am Ben, and I am here in the burnt-out remnants of the factory that previously produced cans of Skyline Chili, but is now harboring wastelanders trying to eke out a meagre existence following the collapse of the United States. Hunkered beneath the catwalk, attempting to obtain nutrients from the Cincinnati chili residue left in some of the cans, it's Lucy. Hey, Lucy. Why is that, why is that me? Wasn't <laughs> just, expecting me to be that one, but here we well, are. You know, you, you moved to America and you became a big Cincinnati chili head. You love it. You love it so much. I barely know what you're talking about, but I'll go with it. <laughs> I want you to just Google, and this goes for the listener as well, uh, Google Cincinnati chili and just look at the images. Don't look at anything else. Uh, it will upset you deeply. All right. Uh, while you're doing that, up above me, stationed in a crude crow's nest, fashioned from girders and highway signs, using an enormous haphazard telescope to scan the horizon for hot babes, it's Andrew. Hey, mate. Hey, uh, nothing yet. <laughs> it's been a while <laughs> since you've done... been up here for 72 the... hours. <laughs> yep. Nothing I've yet. Been, uh, usually you start hooting and hollering if you see one, and i uh been, honestly, a couple of hundred days since you've last hooted or hollered. Yeah, yeah, but you never know, this could be the day that, like, one of the cool cars from a ZZ Top video comes over the horizon, <laughs> and some long-legged babes get out. You know, it's could funny that um, you've been scanning the horizon with a very, very long telescope this whole time, and somehow uh, you've managed to miss what appears to be a highly irradiated mutant climbing up the walls of our compound. Uh, it's our guest, Mike Isaac. Hello. Uh, I thought I was... A hot babe. I, it did seem like I was going to lead into you being a hot babe with huge cans. Uh, unfortunately, no. Yeah, highly irradiated man trying to steal uh, little little drips of Cincinnati chili. Well, I, I at least I did get driven here by two huge men with beards, so <laughs> that'll work too. But you know, hi, thank you for having me. Hey, thanks so much for being here. It's weird that ZZ Top survived. Uh, <laughs> just not who I would have put my bet on i don't think uh, they seem pretty hardy resilient more so than the guys from acdc i think mm, definitely I re- you reckon they're gone in this future where america has collapsed ACDC <laughs> we can only hope also disappeared yeah fuck I, acdc I hate well they're ACDC. barely alive now that's true i've googled um, this chili and i don't like what i'm seeing it's not I pleasant do. right also on all recipes it says cook time 11 hours and 45 minutes well, that's a good chili right there. That I mean, sounds you like can, a good chili. You could just use the, the canned stuff if you wanted. I hear it's just as good. Oh, I missed sure. the part where it's sitting on top of spaghetti. It's on spaghetti. It's on yep. spaghetti. Oh, yeah. Also, okay. there's a specific texture to the cheese as well that I find very upsetting. Uh, I don't know what that is. Hmm. Is it powdered? It's, it's stringy. Str- stringy. Hmm. It looks like a... I don't know, one of those much more yellowy, like Monterey Jack kind of. It's all yellow out here. It's all yellow. So much spaghetti. It's like some extremely perverted bolognese, isn't it's it? It's probably Jeez, delicious. It? So I was, I was thinking about it this again is. because I just saw someone do a tweet about how, being like, oh, I only just realized it's just an Indiana thing uh, to dip your pizza into nacho cheese sauce. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> <laughs> is that a thing? <laughs> Apparently. Oh my god. Sounds alright. Pizza into nacho cheese. What the sauce. fuck is up with America? Please answer the question succinctly. Thank you. I, yeah. oh, we're fine with ranch 
on the crust going into ranch, though, right? The oh, ranch Jesus crust. fucking crust. I'm coming around on it. Having That's... a dipping sauce with your pizza, you can use the crust. It's so <laughs> yeah. good. Oh. Is that not an Australia thing? Definitely not. Ranch? Oh, wow. No, the, the pizza is sacred. Like, you don't dip the pizza in anything. The pizza is, a, is the whole. That's the whole of the thing. Mm. Yeah, but the crust, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I think you should be open to crust dipping. It is, uh, it is kind of practical. That's a, like <laughs> using every part of the animal type deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like the sauces have started to become available. It's just that nobody knows what to do with them. You know, no one's <laughs> like, hey, I'm ordering a pizza. I had also better order some dipping sauce for the no other sides that I've ordered. <laughs> it's definitely a thing here. You can like get three or four little cups of whatever, you know, from sauce to honey mustard or whatever out here. We get We like to dip. Big it's a country of dippers. Mm. It is love, a country of dippers. <laughs> now, part of the reason that ZZ Top have survived the apocalypse is due to their long, <laughs> thick beards covering their faces and protecting them from the deadly coronavirus pandemic. Wow. For now, the record, that is not how that works. Please don't just leave your home uh, <laughs> with a beard and assume that that will be enough. Andrew well, just gotta, killed a lot of people. <laughs> you got to wipe down the beard podcast. regularly. It probably helps. I... I feel like it would trap more of the bad disease particles. I'm also not a doctor, so please don't listen to anything I'd say. <laughs> Yet ZZ Top live. <laughs> uh, now, speaking of the whole coronavirus thing, Mike, I have some questions for you because when this all began, several months or 20 years ago, it feels very hard to tell at this point. That's right. Um, you did what many of us did, which was go to the store and say there seems to be nothing here i gotta buy what i can get yep and what you could get appeared to be many (laughs) many bags of many different varieties of dried bean (laughs) is this Uh, accurate no that that's that's right i'm starting to regret uh posting all of these things to twitter but i did uh uh i did uh I, i you know, probably I can't. I can't remember when you guys probably remember this better than me. But I can't remember when we decided decided that this was like a real issue and we should actually stockpile food. And people started freaking out. But uh, uh, my thinking when I got to the store was immediately like, well, you know, if we're not able to leave the house, or if you know every post apocalyptic movie comes true. And uh, my refrigerator's gone, and you know I'm I'm sort of like huddled in my house with a gun, fighting for my life. I need like the hardiest, most durable food possible, and for me that was just bags upon bags of uh, uh, beans, gourmet beans actually. Gourmet beans. <laughs> Got to make that distinction. Have you Sir, guys heard I, of this Rancho your... Cordo? <laughs> Sir, I need your hardiest, longest-lasting, <laughs> fanciest beans. <laughs> They are um, they're their thing here. These fancy, uh, I think they're called. Oh shit! What are they called? Uh, heirloom beans. That's what it is. Heirloom oh beans. What is an God. heirloom bean? Swear to God! Wow. Well, I'm I'm assuming it's the same as you know. Maybe you can get heirloom tomatoes and carrots and stuff, mm. and they're the they're the weird purple ones and. <laughs> I think that's what heirloom and... means. It means fucked up looking. It means <laughs> understanding. It means not the one default one you've gotten used to. <laughs> it's a it's a different skin of the default tomato. <laughs> <laughs> a palate swap on a tomato. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's that whole kind of thing of of 
farming and and mass grocery chains just sort of destroying whole kinds of of things that you used to be able to get mm. um we had some people staying with us recently and uh they were going down to the store and i said can you grab me a couple of things and i needed some tomatoes and they just got like the default supermarket tomatoes it's like yeah, <laughs> it's fine you might as might as well just pour a glass of water into the thing that you're making then that particular kind of like coles or woolworth's the gourmet tomato i believe is the name of that variety Really? Yeah, that's what they're called. Uh, oh, it's, it's, that's, that is an insult to the word gourmet. This is going to be <laughs> the thing that gets us cancelled. Is Tomato uh, snobbery over here. What's yeah, going on? Yeah, listeners being like, oh, check out this guy. He's forking out for the either vine ripened or... What's the other fucking fancy one you get? Roma? Trust. 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 Trust are the Trust. best. Trust is the oh. best tomato. Trust. I never heard of that. Have you heard of early girl tomatoes? Ooh. No. no. <laughs> this is... So I don't like raw tomatoes, but I got served... I don't know if this is a California thing or not. I'm in San Francisco, but they, someone gave me an early girl, early girl tomato and it was the most amazing fucking thing. Like I could eat those like apples basically. If I you do ever regularly eat tomatoes like apples. It's a, they're fucking delicious. Tomatoes are one of the great fruits or vegetables, whichever one they are. I can't remember. <laughs> I feel like I did that as a kid, but I don't anymore. Eating a, just grabbing a tomato out of the fridge, eating it like an apple. Oh, you shouldn't store your tomatoes in the fridge. Well, I don't now. I've just heard Ooh. this, and I'm I'm feeling bad that I didn't know this. Yeah, we saw everything in the fridge in the here, fridge though. The fridge thing. Yeah, mm. but you Is don't you don't put eggs in the wait. So I feel like I was listening to an uh, uh, episode the other day where you don't put eggs in the fridge. Because mm, American eggs are washed apparently, and you have to put them in the fridge, and yeah. ours are not treated the same way. I don't oh. know the details of it. I think a bunch of the big commercial egg production things in Australia still recommend that you keep them in the fridge. I think possibly for the same reason. But yeah, we we don't ever keep our eggs in the fridge. There's yeah, you don't have out. to. And Ooh, I've I never do because been my sick. fridge door has a bunch of little <laughs> egg-shaped things. And they're really the perfect thing to go in those slots. Are you what else are you going to put divots? in there? <laughs> exactly. Well, you, one individual buy, chili buy, for each little thing. I'm buying dozens of Kinder Surprises. <laughs> That's quite good, actually. Except your kids would eat them all instantly, and uh, yeah, that probably wouldn't. Be oh, then I got to deal with the goddamn toys. <laughs> they all they suck. Get them out of- They're terrible. There's well, never there's- been a good toy. The, well, it's because they. I, I think at some point uh, a little while ago they said, "Oh, it's actually got to be something that like kids can't choke on and doesn't have like." moving parts or anything. so now it's just it, it'll just be like two things that you kind of mush together and it's like cool now you got a an off-brand dinosaur yeah like weird little european mascots that children over here don't recognize at all yep like oh it's glueful <laughs> the house rat we love glueful oh <laughs> uh, so while you are very well stocked on beans mike and beaned up if you beans, will. We, we could potentially call beans an area of your interest. I uh, yeah, sure. So, so <laughs> for that reason, I wouldn't push back on that. Uh, for that reason, we need to check in on some important news and um, introduce a segment called Bean Watch. <laughs> yes, it's Bean Watch. It's time to see. What sort of bean-related news is tearing the United States asunder? Uh, I have been kind of looking from afar, sadly perplexed by the great Goya bean grievance of 2020. What's going on 
With the Goya beans, Mike. Oh my God! Have y'all has has this not hit Australia yet, or is this just uh, everyone over here freaking out about Goyas? We've definitely seen it online. I don't think we have Goya. Oh, we do. do I've we? got a house full of Goya products. Wow! So. Oh, cancelled, cancelled. Not because well, it's because there were like You're two done. Mexican food canned goods companies that actually get imported over here. It's like Goya and uh, the one with the lady on it. Mm. Uh, and that's it. Those oh, are your only choices. Related. Well, so, yeah, this was, it became a thing for whatever reason. The Goya CEO was at the White House, I guess, introducing the president. And uh, he, I just, I saw the clip. He said, like, this is a great president or just sort of some sort of flattering thing about Trump. And I love uh, big boy. we love, <laughs> he loved, he loves the big boy up there. And so uh, as soon as that happened, as soon as that hit, hit the internet, basically, Goya products were canceled, right? You just can't buy them anymore. And um, now we're in this thing where the the White House and the Trumps in particular are sort of using it to troll everyone who who is canceling the Goya folk or canceling Goya eaters. So now they, you know, last week I think the la- the first thing was uh, Ivana Ivanka Trump did a photo of her sort of posing with this can of beans. Um, really, really high, like Lucille Bluth energy yeah. to that <laughs> Just photo. A like surreal image. I hope this is like one of the great historical artifacts of our time. I Just couldn't looks believe like it. she has. It, it, to me, it's really up there with the photo of. Um, remember when Trump was was uh, having like one of the Super Bowl teams to the White House and oh the, the burger photo oh the, yeah. the McDonald's yeah and they've just oh. got like just tables and tables full of McDonald's and him standing there. Two thumbs up. It was totally surreal. And then, and so he, but this is my theory on this. So, so Ivanka does the photo and then the next day Trump does one and it was like, she was holding one can of beans and he's like behind his desk in the oval fucking office with just like a host of Goya products on his desk, sort of smiling. A from... smorgasbord almost. <laughs> and I think, I think it's just, they know how to troll um, Democrats and liberals over here so that their brains just explode whenever they see this. And they, instead of just sort of, you know, instead of say, instead of reacting negatively to that, they just sort of embrace it and do it even more, basically. They're like, haha, we're in on the joke and we are fucking with you even more, so we're going to just start filling your Twitter feed with beans, basically. That's my theory. Well, yeah, and you, you do, obviously, you see the people sort of, um, I guess down in the trenches posting like pictures and videos of themselves going to the store and i bought a hundred dollars worth of goya beans <laughs> look at the receipt look at me paying tribute to mr president and like that's an extremely weird thing to do there was that guy he's a fucking he dresses he wears a suit that's textured with a brick pattern on it he's some fucking big marga guy i don't fucking know but he posted like this photo that looked like a stock image of a trolley full of of goya products and he was like oh you absolutely didn't do that and he's like oh yeah they just posted a series of videos to like everyone that was replying to it being like here i am at the store with a bunch of beads now who's laughing here's my receipt but um i i agree with you um mike that like I mean, you know, obviously we can go down the whole thing of of cancel culture as it would be applied in this particular scenario, which is mm. that the head of a company said, 
I like the president. And then people have said, that's it. You can't buy any of the products anymore from this company that employs how many people? Mm. Like, and how many of those people, how many of those people are immigrants? How many of those people are people of color? How many of those people are people working on minimum wage or whatever? Mm. How many of those people are going to get laid off if that company's products drop, like the profits drop by 50% or anything like that? I think it's, I think it's more, you know, it obviously that sort of stuff has more of an effect than people are thinking when they say, that's it, time to cancel the beans. Yeah. Which is like, it, it is just as much of a really silly reactionary thing on on the left in this particular case like i i don't obviously there's times where there are there are companies where like in their practices it's extremely systemic from the top down all the way through the company yeah um to be very very racist all that kind of thing but in this particular case i'm like did we need to have a news cycle about that's the point though it's all about like We've been talking about this bean thing, and I've seen that picture of Ivanka so many times in my <laughs> timeline for the past week or whatever, and there are so many more important things to talk about. It's very Australian to have that much culture war discourse for an entire week. I think well, I that... I was just going to say, I think the the absurdity of it... And this, I'm not usually someone who uh, subscribes to the idea that the Trumps or the White House is playing like 5D chess with um, it's a some distraction, of their you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I think like there's utility in them sort of trolling and being like, haha, we're messing with you um, with these beans. And at, like at least for a minute, um, you're not fixated on the, the fact that, you know, the response from the White House is, has been scattered. And, you know, the Times just had another story out today about how the politicizing internally was kind of messing up how they're dealing with coronavirus. And, and so, like, even if you don't believe, and I don't necessarily believe that they have a full handle on exact strategic responses, like, everyone is still obsessed with the dumbest possible thing, which is just beans everywhere, if that makes sense. <laughs> well, I guess, like, um, in, in comparison to a lot of other things where it's very, very clear that, like you're saying, they don't actually have any sort of con- consistent strategic response across the administration to anything. Yeah. This, by comparison, is really easy because they can say, hey, if we post some pictures of us with the beans, uh, a lot of people get very mad. And that's, that's kind of easy for them. It's a thing yeah. that, that their opponents can fixate on for a bit and that their allies can say, I also love the beans. <laughs> and, and it's just, and it's just kind of nice and easy but I, th- I think that it does fit into something which is probably less of like a, a, a strategic thing and more of just a general principle of mm. you know this administration and people who are big fans of them which is if we are doing something that is making uh, you know, Democrat voters and progressives and liberals and everything very mad, then it is by definition good. Yep. And that's I it. agree with that. It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. Yep. And from from like Trump and his daughter's perspective, they literally just had to say, someone bring me a can of the beans. <laughs> I will take a photo with them. You post it on Twitter. I'll go about my day. Oh, man. I just they had like options for the photo, like that someone had gone out, got a range of products, and they're like, oh. "Which beans did they go with?" Was it? They... It was 
black, black beans, beans, right? I think it's black that what beans. it was. It was. Well, tr- Trump didn't have any beans. Hmm. Oh, um, Trump had like you know coconut cream and wafers, and he he just said, "Go and grab some Goya stuff." Whack it no down beans. on the on the on the desk. He has um he's he's in exactly yeah, the same boy. pose that he was in the photo where he's eating the um the nacho bowl. Yeah, he looks exactly uh, the same. Oh, the uh, the I love Mexicans post. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, Best Mexican food in the world, Trump Tower. <laughs> just just sitting sitting at a desk, just kind of hunched over, two thumbs up, little cheesy grin. Absolutely ridiculous stuff. Um, it is, however, very funny that Ivanka Trump uh, may have violated an ethics rule <laughs> in posting <laughs> a picture of herself with some beans. <laughs> Um, I'm just grateful that it's like the funniest possible item, though, you know, I mean, like, obviously, it's the worst time to have bean discourse sort of take over what Americans are talking about. But it's I can't think of what would have made this whole episode dumber than just like beans. (laughs) Holding up some beans. (laughs) What's a more trivial sounding product? It's like a can of beans. It's like the Clorox guy is just like, I love my breads. They're like, I love this bleach. I use it every day. Great, very yeah, cool, man. Kind of uh, nothing more harmless than an inert can of beans, really. <laughs> but um, yeah, it is. It is absolutely ridiculous. That Ted Cruz out there getting involved. Uh, he oh, had a God. tweet. Oh, the Goya, tweet was so good. Goya is a staple of Cuban food. My grandparents ate Goya black beans twice a day for nearly oh. ninety years, and oh. now the left is trying to cancel Hispanic culture and silence free speech. A lot of people immediately went. Didn't you have the whole like Nike boycott and the mm. everything? Also, else that Goya boycott? is not ninety years old, apparently. Well, was, yeah. <laughs> well, the company's not ninety years old, and I saw somebody claiming that they didn't actually start canning black beans until like the seventies. Um, yeah, and they like couldn't get them, or so- like it was a total lie that his grandparents got yeah. them or whatever. I guess like the the thing with all of this stuff is that what what we have been getting shown over and over and over again since Trump got elected is none of this matters. Like mm. none of it matters. The, the, the part about, um, the part about Ivanka violating, a an ethics rule. Nothing. Like, oh, nothing's going to happen. Gonna happen. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. The, absolutely. the idea that like, uh, that this administration that has been openly engaged in like flagrant corruption yeah. and law breaking across the board for years now, like, like I saw a thing about um, I saw a thing about how Trump was giving a, a speech in the Rose Garden, and he just kind of segued halfway through the speech, which was an update on like COVID figures or whatever it was, mm. um, and he just sort of segued halfway through into just sort of doing his stump speech, and all these people were like, "You can't say political things in the Rose Garden." <laughs> yep, that's. That's flouting one of our, mm. our standards. You and are fired, lots of sir. People are, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the the thing was the thing was like, oh, you know, journalists and commentators are really uh, they're scrutinizing Trump's uh, politicization of a speech in the Rose Garden. I'm like, yes. What 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 does anyone think is going to happen as a result of that scrutiny? If mm. you can't sort of get him on any of the extremely open corruption, but let's worry about the beans. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I, t- I totally agree. And I feel like this is this is where I have a hard time with. I feel like um, a lot of the existing media, of which I am a part, by the way, uh, is just fully unequipped or very unequipped to handle this presidency and this president in, in particular, because he just 
wrecks through every norm or sort of bit of decorum that they had, like a total wrecking ball. And, you know, reporters might be pearl clutching while they see him sort of do a stump speech in the Rose Garden or whatever. But that doesn't, you know, that doesn't stop him from doing that and worse or going further next time. And I, th- I think it's just the media can kind of feel um, feel helpless or, or just still trying to figure out what their role or best way to be most effective during this presidency is. And I still think that's in flux. Yeah, it's um, it's seemed to be a very challenging thing when, yeah, when you have an administration in place that more so than even like, you know, like Nixon or anything like that yeah, totally. has has not only been engaged in that kind of corruption and and law breaking and all that kind of thing, but when when being caught like red handed doing stuff, they've just gone no, right. no, <laughs> right, that's right. fine. The stuff we're doing, that's cool. It's, it's so like Shaggy, Shaggy. It wasn't yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Just like they got you uh, on video. No, 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 it wasn't me. It yep. applies to like everything though, from like. You know, from high-level corruption to, you know, America's obviously fucked-up response to COVID to, like, mm. him just missaying something. All we can really do, like, the media, whoever, the politicians that are trying to get them out, just say, hey, you can't do that. They just go, <laughs> and then they keep going, and literally nothing happens. It turns out that the only way to beat the game is just to pretend that rules don't exist because they aren't real, and you can just do whatever you want. It's fine. Yep. Which is pretty depressing in its own way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, nobody seems to have any kind of answer for what does actually happen as a result of this. And unfortunately, um, the best answer that the Democrats seem to have come up with is, what if Joe Biden were the president again? But just, he was what also if the much same, older. But more polite. What if we did the same things, but he didn't break any rules while he was doing it? What if we clapped at him sarcastically and then after the fact said that the clap was sincere? That'll take him down. (laughs) Yes, Queen. Hey, Andrew here. If you are enjoying the show, there's a great way to show your support and also get access to all of our bonus episodes. That is over 300 episodes in total, literally hundreds of hours. You can head on to patreon.com slash Vista. For only five US dollars a month, get yourself a pristine RSS feed with no bonus episode teasers and without this bit of audio of us asking you to subscribe to the Patreon. And doesn't that sound nice? It does, doesn't it? Well, think it over. Well, don't worry about politics. Because, uh-huh. because, <laughs> because the corporate leaders of America will be the ones to show responsibility. Uh, Step up and help. Uh, sorry, was that a depressed <laughs> sigh I just said there, Mike? <laughs> no, please, please continue. I want to hear It's normally my bit on here. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I've, I saw over the last week or so a bit of news about Airbnb, um, where they've been getting a bit of backlash because, once again, the old pandemic has been interrupting the Airbnb lifestyle of going to places and looking at things. And so, so in an effort to support their hosts, they sent out a thing saying, hey, wouldn't you like to send a nice card to an Airbnb host and maybe the contents of your wallet? 
which is a strange choice. Uh, this is from travelandleisure.com. Uh, Airbnb sent emails to guests suggesting that they send, quote, kindness cards to their hosts, <laughs> including an optional monetary contribution, which has irked many a guest on social media. Uh, like all of us, hosts on Airbnb are impacted by COVID-19, and many of them are unable to welcome guests, the email reads. Now more than ever, it's important to reach out and support one another, even in small ways. Today we're introducing a new way to connect with your favorite hosts. You can create personalized kindness cards that make it easy to send a message of appreciation or encouragement with the option to add a contribution. We hope these cards will make hosts smile and bring a little joy your way. <laughs> Oh, this is so good. This, Why? <laughs> imagine, like, looking back and seeing who's hurting in this time of need around the world and then coming up with fucking landlords as your answer. It's just psychotic. We need it, to look out for the real vulnerable people in society, which is the people that have over-leveraged themselves to get 28 houses that they put out on Airbnb. Yes. Well, and uh, the, I, I, I was talking to a source, so I, 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 uh, I didn't say this earlier, but I report on tech and a lot of these companies for like my day job. And so I was talking to a, a former employee inside Airbnb, and one of the things they don't tell you, you know, they try to make it look like, um, you know, most people on Airbnb are just renting out their spare room and, and it's just sort of this way to make some extra income. And, you know, we're not mostly... Uh, you know, landlords with like 40 or 50 houses or whatever. And this guy was telling me that, you know, it's easily a three or four to one split on the amount of people who own, you know, multiple properties on the platform versus the amount of people just letting out a spare room. Like most of the people who are landlords on Airbnb are running multiple properties on there and it's like a real business. But so, like, well, that spin works. Like, because anytime I say shit about Airbnb on Twitter, you'll get people who aren't affiliated with Airbnb in any way be like, oh, you know, these are just people renting out their spare room for a little bit of extra cash. And you're like, no, they're fucking not. <laughs> That's yeah. not just like regular mums and dads doing this for the most part anymore. It yep. might have been a little bit at the start, but yeah, fuck, man. Well, it seems very similar to um, Uber in the sense that it was a thing that was initially floated as, hey, it's ride sharing. It's not a real job because you're only doing it a couple of hours a week or whatever. And then you look at the stats and it's like mostly people doing like 80 hour weeks. It's their sole source of income. I would go on further than that. Mike, you you probably know better about this um, than us due to having written a book about Uber. But, did you um, get that copy, Ben? I, oh, I absolutely did. Thank you okay, so much. Good. Yeah. Lucy, tell me if you want one, by the way. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I, th- I think the, the original, like the very, very original pitch of Uber was probably more along the lines of, hey, you have to drive to work anyway. Yeah. You can share your car with somebody and they'll pay like to cover a portion of your petrol and parking and stuff. And that way, you know, you can make a little bit of extra money, offset your costs, that kind of thing. I'm, I think in, it, in its very original state, it wasn't even specifically pitched as you can make money on the side by driving other people around cab style, you know, when you don't have something else to do. And then it, also, then it immediately turned into, oh, I'm a full-time cab driver, basically. Oh, yeah. I mean, they... they... The thing that, and this is what bothers me about tech reporting is, you know, 
at least on Wall Street or hedge funders um, or folks who are just sort of dealing in, in stocks and equities for a living, like they make it clear what the goal is. And the goal is to get more money, right? And and in, in tech, everything is wrapped in a sort of aspirational, cuddly, um, we are trying to do better by the world. And, and uh, in Uber's case, it's taking more cars off the road and in Airbnbs, it's uh, allowing people to make extra income and, and taking away from the hotel monopoly. But very quickly, they realize where most of their money is coming from. And it, it, it is from those drivers who drive three or four hours away to go to San Francisco and do 14 hour shifts uh, and be on the road all day. And um, or, you know, just people who are killing themselves and sleeping in their cars, um, not doing it on the side. And that's where a lot of the revenue comes from. So it's they'll always have this guard of of nobility and in, in how they position the services and i really just am, am kind of getting tired of it yeah i think um in this particular case the asking people to send money <laughs> send mm. money to a landlord um seemed so like fun. a very misguided attempt to to make some kind of nice gesture to hosts because hosts themselves are extremely angry at airbnb at the moment yeah so, no, so, totally. Uh, they're they're totally in a shitty position where they were trying to uh, have an IPO and all the hosts are like out of money and so and, and Airbnb is not paying back the hosts. So basically everyone hates Airbnb right now, actually. So um, continuing from the same article here. Um, for customers of short-term rental giant Airbnb, a cash refund requires documentation explaining why guests can't travel as a result of COVID-19, such as a link to a government site or a letter from a medical professional. Um, when the pandemic happened, Airbnb had more than a billion dollars worth of cancellations, CEO Brian Chesky told USA Today. The company chose to override its host cancellation policy in, uh, to offer refunds to guests, which prompted an intense backlash from hosts. I'm sure we've all seen a few uh, videos online of people yelling into the camera, doing the dash cam type. I am extremely angry at, at I'm going to personally destroy Airbnb. <laughs> um, so, so I think what normally happens is that you have to give like, um, what is it? You, you have to either get to get a full refund, you have to cancel your booking within 48 hours, or you can get a 50% refund if you cancel it within... Uh, seven days of making it. So that's not within 48 hours of going to make the stay. It's within 48 hours of having made the booking itself. So I think people were in a pretty good position to be able to say, oh, if you book this thing three months ago and a month before the event found out that you couldn't go for some reason, you just lose all the money. Um, in this particular case, uh, Chesky said, we did not want guests to feel like they were compelled to travel, putting themselves in harm's way because they weren't going to get a refund. The company offered an apology and $250 million to hosts, which Chesky said wasn't enough to cover what they would have earned, but was the most it could do. Uh, they created a relief fund for their super hosts, which is up to more than $17 million. What are super hosts on Airbnb? Uh, is that people with 6,000 properties? I think <laughs> basically slumlords on the... No, I think it's people who <laughs> are just constantly renting, you know, and like rather than I rent one every like couple of weeks or months it's like just turning people in and out all the time so from another article here um we can start to see the pattern around the types of people who are very upset at airbnb this is from cnbc airbnb hosts are upset that the company is refunding travelers but not covering host costs um 
so we've got a few different people in here. There's a bit of a trend I can spot. Uh, several hosts say they are sympathetic to impacted guests who seek refunds. However, many hosts said they feel that Airbnb has completely put the brunt of the situation on them. Uh, quote, we definitely empathize with guests and know this is out of anyone's control, said Krista Sprague, who rents four apartments in Detroit with her husband. <laughs> but for us, our business and our livelihood just got cancelled. Why is Maybe you should have invested in literally anything else. <laughs> Gold. <laughs> um, Gold bullion. I mean, I uh, hear beans are, are doing all right right now. Beans are at an all-time high. <laughs> Uh, Johnny Bash, a quadriplegic who relies on the revenue that he generates from his nine properties in California, Florida, and Utah, said the cancellations have been a massive blow. Bash calculates he's lost $36,000 in cancellation refunds over the past week. Which does kind of beg the question, how much money were you making? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, I guess you, you kind of also have to point out that not that many other people like around America and around the world would be in a position where they could say, maybe I should just sell three of the houses I own Mm -hmm. and then have a great big wadge of money sitting here ready to go. So uh, we also have from the same piece, Kate Shaw, a host of multiple properties across Southern California, said that Airbnb's reliance on the government to help its hosts is passing off the moral and fiscal responsibility that the company should have. <laughs> oh my god. I huh. I mean, Airbnb sucks, but this is a ridiculous line of thinking. Like, they don't owe you anything. Well, she continues on, they should have been prepared. <laughs> wow. With an insurance or fund, said Shaw, who has relied on renting her properties as her sole source of income since uh, late 2018. I mean, I think I kind of agree with that. Like, the, their whole thing is that they are just using other people to absorb all of the risk so that they can make the money. Like, it's shit. It's how all of these companies oh, operate. Sucks, yeah. Yeah. Is that they just they outsource the risk, they get all the revenue, and then they're like, when anything happens, this is true of Facebook, it's true of Uber, it's true of Airbnb, it's true of like every single startup style company. They're just like, oh no, actually, like having any sort of regulation or moderation or risk mitigation or anything would be too much work, so we just can't. That would hurt yeah. our bottom line too much. For well, half these companies don't make money anyway, but like. <laughs> It's just this insane concept that they can have these massive sprawling networks of financial interests that to them they're like, oh, we have nothing to do with that. We just get money from it. And then if something bad happens, whoops. <laughs> yeah, they're parasites. I mean, or the way that it, that that operates is essentially you're you're attaching and sort of inserting yourself into this chain of transactions and sucking money out of it without... Putting having any skin in the game on a lot of this, yeah, like literally a parasite, just like yeah. a tick, a little tick somewhere <laughs> on one of your eyes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's well, sorry, just to finish out what this lady's saying without hosts, they have no business and they should have morally and fiscally been prepared to keep their supply chain, i.e., hosts, in operation in case of emergency. Shaw also rents her properties on Airbnb competitor Verbo. <laughs> That is a very bad what? name. Sure. VRBO. Do they have VRBO in in Australia? I've never heard no. of this. No. I think it's just VRBO. I'm I'm going to start calling it Verbo now, but I think <laughs> it's I think it's VRBO. VRBO. Yeah. 
But yeah, they all, they all, like we're saying, they all have the same pattern, which is flouting local laws to gain a foothold in the market. So I'm assuming that Airbnb had a similar trajectory to Uber when they were establishing themselves by saying, hey, um, yes, sure, it looks a lot like we are operating a hotel company <laughs> with, <laughs> with a whole bunch of hotels everywhere and we should be involved somehow, but it's totally not that. Um, but we are going to keep making money out of it. Same thing with... Um, Uber was originally like paying people's fines and stuff in Australia. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. When they were establishing themselves here, and until like cities and states just gave up and were like, "Oh, fine, you're legal." For fuck's yeah. sake! Yeah, well, that, that's what happened because I think you know Australia, I'm sure, has much um, stricter regulation than America on things like that, workplace law and. All that kind of stuff, but um, mm. but yeah. So for a while there, they were like, "Oh no, we have to have people out there, you know, tracking people down and issuing fines and saying you're you're running an an unlicensed, unregistered taxi and that kind of thing." And yeah, Uber just said, "No, we'll just keep paying those until they just kind of give up on it." And after a while, they went, "Yeah, I guess you're, <laughs> you're legal right. now." That's that's like the 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 thing though on. Uh, about I think a lot of tech companies or at least this valley Silicon Valley mentality which is just sort of like barrel through and don't stop uh, don't stop for anything and sort of prove to people that what we're doing is right or a better way and eventually the government will just have to deal with you and regulate around you because you've in integrated yourself into how society works and they're not I mean they're not wrong that's what's kind of happened it just, it also complicates a lot of things and can fuck things up in a lot of different ways that they didn't see at all in the first place. Well, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't automatically equal a positive. That's the right. thing. I, I, I feel like a lot of people in that sort of, <clears throat> pardon me, a lot of people in that, um, you know, late 2000s, early 2010s period of this sort of thing um, came, came to understand disruption as being synonymous with good yeah yep, yep. yeah because because there are there are ways in which saying you know what we're just gonna push through and do this thing and and we'll figure it out as we go along are actually good things to do um in in things like business and government as well i mean like i've i've worked in private companies i've worked for government departments that sort of stuff and it, it can legitimately be like uh, just crushing in like a large federal government department mm. the amount of restrictions and uh, rules that there are about what you can do and how you can do it and all that sort of thing and the layers of approval that you have to go through for anything that to most people working in that environment, they do after not very long just say, you know what, I'm just going to bother, I'm like going to stop really bothering to try mm. uh, getting anything significant done. And and that can be, you know, a real impediment. There are times when, uh, I think for government departments, I've seen instances where, you know, they have to say, you know what, our IT department says we're not allowed to use, like, you know, some bog standard service like MailChimp or something like that. <laughs> we're just going to do it and and figure out, you know, how it is that we go. But then there's things like this where, you know, you, you start off by saying, oh, we're just going to ignore local law. It's, we're going right. to present this as it's a, it's a way for people to make a bit of money on the side 
people to have a little side hustle, it instantaneously turns into people turning it into their sole form of income. Right. And in a lot of cities around the world, I mean, whenever you see people, uh, whenever you see stories online about, um, you know, the operations of Airbnb in different cities and like you see all these people saying they have just completely destroyed the real estate market in our city mm. because people buy up all of the available properties and rent them out at a much higher short stay rate that they can through Airbnb. And all of a sudden, a lot of the properties that would have been available for people to rent are off the market. Yep. Um, That's definitely happened here in San Francisco. It's like, I can't even tell you how much it costs to just fucking live in the city. Oh man. Holy fuck. Uh, I tried once to like, I wasn't even going to stay the night in San Francisco. I was like, can I visit a friend that just leave? Uh, the guy ended up being like, oh, I just crashed my couch. I was like, oh, great. Because the reason he offered is because I had like oh, no. tried to look at Airbnb and then took a <laughs> screenshot of the one thing that was in my price range. And it said like executive futon. And it was just <laughs> like literally someone's couch. And it was like a hundred bucks a night. And I was like, <laughs> Oh fuck! Uh, no, thank you. Oh my god! Fucking nuts. And when there's like a conference in town, people will like go stay with a friend and then rent out their apartments for like six or seven hundred dollars a night or something Damn. like that. It's obscene. It's really insane. Jesus Christ! But I think to Andrew, to your point, like I don't, you know, I'm jaded because I've been here for a long time. But I do think that the flip side of this argument is like you said, things can come to a screeching halt inside of um, governmental agencies and, and like some, some method of disruption can be kind of necessary to get to um, like, like incumbents don't necessarily innovate as much as they need to or, or have because they don't have to, right. Because they're in, in power. And so you can make the argument that, um, some of these startups are maybe have to break through by doing things against whatever, against the rules or against the orthodoxy at the time. But it's a, I think it's a continuum. I don't think all, I don't think disruption by its nature is good, like you said. And I also don't think it's ultimately only bad, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think, um, I think though, generally what we've seen with companies that are, you know, funded by VCs, Mm. And like like the the thing with most of these things seems to have just been about get into the market, absolutely bleed money um, while trying to force the the original thing out. And then I guess at some point you can you can jack up the prices and make a profit in it. Oh yeah. But in Airbnb's case, you know, like we're saying, they they have created a, a new kind of real estate market where they can essentially be a hotel company that doesn't have to absorb any of the risk. Um, and now they're in this position where all of the people who have said, hey, I can make a lot of money doing this, so I've bought 20 properties, which does make me think a lot of like um, in Australia, every every article that you see in like realestate.com.au or... Um, any of those sorts of outlets that is about like how how a, a young burgeoning real estate magnet got their start and made their money and everything. 
Um, all of them are like, hey, this person's only 27 and they own like 30 properties. So good. I just can't <laughs> wait for that to crash down every time I read one of those. <laughs> well, and there are always two things that present themselves in every single one of those articles. The first one is um, the revelation that every one of these things is just leveraged against the previous property. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't own any of them. And the second part is three quarters of the way through the article when they say, yeah, so my grandmother died leaving me $250,000. <laughs> Left me a small loan. Yeah. <laughs> With the yeah, or, or like 19 properties I was left, I managed to expand that empire to 20 properties. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I... I I live with my parents, um, so I don't pay any rent. And also, they loaned me $100,000 to get started. Like, there's always that part of the story. And you're like, oh, so we did solve the mystery of, of how they managed to get every this time, Every time. Every time. Did I mention I am the Duke of Windsor? <laughs> <laughs> I think one thing that kind of gets me about this is that, like, it's end-to-end shitty capitalism right so that the, the top end of it is these companies that come in and are just like we're going to make the money or we're going to make other people punish themselves to make us money that's shitty, shitty capitalism and at the very bottom are the people that are doing this who are essentially trying to escape capitalism right because we're born into this horrible fucking life where mm. you have to work 40 plus hours a week doing something you hate with no real link between the effort you put in and the outcome you because you know life generally sucks for like 95 percent of people so the dream is you can magically have a bunch of stuff that just generates passive income for you and luckily there are banks that are going to be like well you're probably not going to be able to pay this back but if you don't then you're gonna have to pass way more money yeah absolutely i'll give you a loan for 35 houses (laughs) you know like these are people that are trying to make life not be fucking shit for themselves but then of course the only avenues for them to do that that they can see are from these shitty companies that give them the opportunity to completely gentrify areas and lock other people out of the housing market mm-hmm. and then fuck themselves over when the housing market collapses it's just awful it's a fucking just levels nightmare. levels of parasitism it's Love so it. bad mm-hmm. well and the and they you know to that parasite point they suck all of the capital in that system up so it just sort of deepens the inequality even further like that you're not mm-hmm. you're not spreading that across all of the workers there you're making uh three or four people into new billionaires and and so they can fund more businesses that do the same sort of thing cool <laughs> <laughs> the future sucks it's really fucked. Fucked. <laughs> oh. the future sucks but it is also Replete with tantalizing mysteries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, Ben, there's something that I believe has been burning a hole in the center of your brain for it, days now. It certainly has. Uh, this is... I don't... No, I'm just going to say it, and then I'll let you guys tell me what you make of it. Uh, this is a story from uh, the ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Company? Corporation. Not sure. Corporation. This is the headline. (laughs) Mystery surrounds car with COVID-19 number plate parked at Adelaide Airport. Okay. Mm -hmm. The story goes as thus. A car with a number plate COVID-19 has perplexed Adelaide Airport staff who say it has been parked there for months. (laughs) Uh, A photo of the grey BMW sedan was sent to ABC Radio Adelaide by airport worker Stephen Spry, who said the vehicle has been left in the staff car park since before Australia's coronavirus lockdowns began. 
huh. can't stop thinking about this. What? <laughs> oh uh, my god. The disease caused by coronavirus was first officially labelled COVID-19 on February 11th and was declared a pandemic one month later. Mr. Spry said, as far as colleagues could recall, the car had been there since February or even earlier. <laughs> It was definitely there from mid-March when most airport staff went on four weeks of forced leave. He said the car had a cover over it which was blown off by windy weather in April, creating more intrigue about the car and particularly its number plate. So it had been stored there for a length of time too. Is anybody else getting like 12 monkeys kind of vibes? 100% oh, yes. Mm. That's didn't, zero. Did, didn't, uh, didn't 12 monkeys end in an airport? Um, it, it certainly got elements of an airport. It ends on an airplane, but they go to an airport to get on there. Yeah, that's, that's right. True. That's right. So, <laughs> so did they find the owner? That's fucking insane. Um, yes, sort of. I'll get into that. Uh, okay. there's, some, there's some other details here. Oh, got it. So that's the funny. ABC has done some inquiring into the <laughs> the time periods around custom number plates. Uh, in South Australia, custom number plates have to be approved by the Registrar of Motor Vehicles. It takes at least 10 days for a personalised number plate to go from purchase to being issued. So that's... They wow. had to have asked for it 10 days before it appeared on the car. Uh, the BMW in question is registered until the September 26, 2020, according to the state government's Easy Reg website. Registration can be taken out for either 3 or 12 months. Custom number plate agreements are for 12, 24, or 36 months and are separate to registration. There are no cars interstate with a registration COVID-19, according to state government websites. However, in New South Wales, a Volvo car has the registration COVID, <laughs> and a Suzuki motorcycle in the Northern Territory has the same number plate. All right, so, huh. rich, uh -huh. tantalizing stuff there. Uh, they did a follow-up story a day after, so this is... Also from the ABC, a uh, car with COVID-19 number plate spotted on road in March, Adelaide Motorist says. A mystery vehicle that has captured the attention of workers at Adelaide Airport because of its COVID-19 number plate was spotted being driven on a nearby road in late March, video suggests. Adelaide Motorist Dan Parfitt today said he noticed the car while driving on Burbridge Road, West Beach, near the airport on March 24th. It obviously stood out straight away. I took a Snapchat video of it and never thought of it again, he said. It's pretty early in the proceedings before it really kicked off here. <laughs> uh, Mr. Parvin said a man appeared to be driving the BMW and a spokesperson for Adelaide Airport said the matter had attracted quite a bit of interest. Uh, the spokesperson said the owner of the vehicle has been contacted. The airport has spoken to the owner who is interstate, the spokesperson said. And that is the end of what they got from him. That's oh. it? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what? The rest of that article is great as well because it's just uh, a bunch of they. I think whoever wrote the article just spent a couple of hours googling the like license plate database, <laughs> and like they've got a weird like a Nissan Pulsar with the number plate virus. <laughs> 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 so what the fuck is happening here? I would love for someone to advance a theory to me. I have as no to theories. How the fuck this happened? Uh, uh... Mm -hmm. I don't know. What the fuck? How does that happen? It's a strange coincidence. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> I, I already started Maybe. with time traveler. Okay. Right, somebody, somebody has come back to warn us. Didn't do it very uh, well. Try horrible job. We shouldn't have put the cover on the car. <laughs> <laughs> Foolish. I th yeah, I reckon he kind of messed up by coming back and then saying like, first things first, time to get down to the Rego office. 
And <laughs> time. The people have to know. I must get a custom number plate. How will I get my message out to as many people as possible as quickly as I can? I know. <laughs> a license plate of a thing that people don't know what it is yet. So and then I'm going to drive around. Uh, just kind of beeping. I'll beep my... Just beeping around? Beep, beep my horn. Try and get some eyes on this thing. <laughs> hey, guys. COVID-19. <laughs> what? What he should COVID be doing what? is uh, blasting disco out of the uh, out of his car and <laughs> blowing bubbles in the air. That'll help. Someone's uh, going to do it. So let's look at the facts that we have at hand, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, old mate Stephen Spry, <laughs> off-brand version of Stephen Fry, I assume, uh, he <laughs> said that the airport workers think it might have been there since February, but they're not entirely sure. We know that it was on the road on March 24th. We know that at a very minimum, he must have asked for it 10 days earlier, the owner of the car, right? Uh, so that puts us at mid-March. This is fucking insane. Like, I think there maybe this is some insane coincidence that he was going for something else entirely, or this person was like looking at the news one day and was like, Ah, oh, fuck it. <laughs> fuck it, COVID-19. Monster <laughs> asleep, COVID number plate. That's, maybe that, like, he got his first, like, a 16-year-old kid or 18 or whatever, how old you have to be, his first car, mm. and it was his time to, to register the plate, and that was the thing in the news, and he was just doing it. He was doing he was that like, uh, fucking Kaiser Soze style, looking around the room <laughs> for a word, and he just like, looked at the TV, uh, COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> I got to try and get out in front of this thing. That's <sighs> it's just yeah. It, it, who? I got nothing. Maybe his name is I COVID. Really... <laughs> Maybe his COVID, name is nineteen like years old. Cody Video. Mm. Cody Video. It is Vine Star <laughs> Cody Video. <laughs> and he is nineteen. A nineteen year old boy. <laughs> oh my god! I would love it so TikTok much. TikTok star. <laughs> I hope that's Gotta the case. <laughs> uh, if you're listening to this and you are COVID video, please contact us. <laughs> oh, fucking hell, man. Oh, boy. Uh, might be time for a very quick edition of Nature Corner. Country roads, take me home to the place I that's right folks it's nature corner and we just have to give a shout out to the animal of the week the emu that bit yaya bolsonaro <laughs> is it an emu <laughs> it is an emu like bird it is i not know quite an emu. they kind of ruined it with that didn't they Ah. Wait, what is it? It's not an emu. Well, it's it's a a a, a rhea? How would you pronounce rhea? that? R H E A. Uh but it's yeah. it's a relative of the emu. It's also a tall, angry looking bird. Uh, it does look a lot like an emu, fair enough. <laughs> There's a rhea. Large ratites, flightless birds without a keel on their sternum bone. Oh mm. of course. Native to South America, distantly related. To the ostrich and the emu. Looks pretty similar though. A bit smaller. A bit smaller because emus are... I would call them terrifying. 
Oh, awful, I'm, I'm, awful I'm so sorry to backtrack uh, mm-hmm. and to take us briefly out of the nature quarter, but I made a huge factual error when I said that it was a Nissan Pulsar with the number plate virus. Was it, uh, oh, yep. it is a Toyota Corona. Oh, God. Oh, uh, oh. <laughs> huge no retraction there. Huge retraction. <laughs> My goodness. Hmm. Um, I think about that. Mike, have you ever seen an emu in the flesh? Uh, I have not, I don't think, I think there's like an emu farm, uh, north of me somewhere, but I could be totally making that up. Well, stay away. Terrible Are they, are they not nice? Should no. I not try to put one? I, think, I mean, they're, they're fine, but if they decide that they're not nice, they will fuck you up. Yep. Oh. Um, yeah, cause like proper full size ones, they're just they're so big. They're too large. You know, you ever seen that? Um, you ever seen that kind of cross-section diagram of like uh, Big Bird, where there's a guy inside and you can see his arm going up into the into the head. That's the guy. <laughs> Feels like that's the sort of size. Uh-huh. When you see one of them walking around, they just have that big body and all those all those long uh, feathers. The only thing more terrifying than the emu is the cassowary. Mm-hmm. I have heard of cassowaries. Just they've got some real dinosaur vibes. They have a big big bone. In the front of their head. And they'll get they, you. I mean, those will kill your ass, with. right? Yeah. Uh, and I think they got, like, a great big talons as well. We read a story on here once about some guy in the States who had, like, a cassowary as, a, as an exotic pet. It's one of his many exotic animals that he was allowed to keep because apparently he had them for agricultural purposes. Uh, That's which right. is definitely not true. But is it and didn't it kill him? Did it kill yeah, him? Yeah, he, he just he like tripped, over, and he tripped over and fell down and the cassowary immediately kicked him to death. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't. Not laugh. funny for him, but <laughs> you funny. Can. You can laugh. He shouldn't have had one. He shouldn't have had one. Yep, yep. That's a real uh, don't open amusement park full of dinosaurs type vibe. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Very dinosaur adjacent. Um, so I, th- I think part of the reason that Bolsonaro was hanging out with these emu-like birds in the first place is because he tested positive for coronavirus. <laughs> Again. Um, so he is under quarantine at the presidential palace and the presidential palace has a bunch of these birds just chilling out just hanging out with my birds his so, only friends are emus now <laughs> yep uh and he tried to it's feed them little... and one of them immediately bit him on the hand and, he went, <laughs> <laughs> and then Comrade i think bird welcome to the resistance <laughs> <laughs> yeah lots of um Lots of uh, Brazilian people got to tweet things like, even the animals recognize when someone is pernicious, <laughs> tweeted journalist Solange Mateus. Nature is healing, tweeted biologist Flavio Souza. So, quack, um, quack, bitch. Yeah, he's, he's, very, he's very mad. He's very mad that he has to stay home and he can't be out like uh, pretending to do push-ups or looking like he's dying in various <laughs> locations. <laughs> he's just looked like he's dying for so long He's not he's looking never, good Never taken a good photo recently Or I guess ever I wonder what his He does look bad like. Whatever what? the hell he wants I would assume mm. Yeah but it's not agreeing with him Whatever it is <laughs> The man looks to be in desperate need of a vitamin That's all <laughs> I'm saying um, so, so he was uh, locked away With his big birds Um <laughs> And during the end of the story, it says that he announced that he plans to take another test as he, quote, can't stand being in isolation. <laughs> um, 
He says he should be out in a few hours. He will wait quite anxiously because he can't stand this routine of staying at home. It's horrible, he said, before immediately testing positive for coronavirus again. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, there was that um there was that cool one where he he tested positive and then he was like addressing reporters with a mask on and he was like, "I'm just going to move one or two feet back and pull my mask off and be like, "See, I'm fine." <laughs> And he managed to drop a slur in there as well uh, about talent. about the, the kind of person that masks are for. So, uh, being bitten by a big old emu type bird and catching a case of double COVID couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Yeah, <laughs> I, get wrecked. I love yep. that uh, there's like someone took a perfect three image sequence of it happening as well. He's just like holding out the food. Retracting his head and then one doing the like raised shaking it off. Oh god damn it gesture. It's beautiful. <laughs> I'd be like be like getting your hand caught in a door, I reckon. Getting it would be similar to that. Nipped by one of those guys. No thank Do you. Do emus have teeth or is it just a bill? Just a massive fucking just beak. A big old yeah, bill just a big old beak. Clamping on you. Alright. Yeah, that would hurt. I don't think they quite have like the um you know, the parrot cockatoo type scissoring action. You know how they'll just go like straight through your finger? No good. Well, I feel like that's just about all we have time for this week. Uh, ben, do you have a crime pass to issue? Oh. Um, this week, it's been a while. Yeah, if you stay in an Airbnb, um, you can just fuck their shit up. Hmm. <laughs> go through all their drawers. Uh, I mean, they probably don't actually live in the house because, you know, they probably have 40 of them. Uh, but just do whatever you want. Uh, a really great prank uh, would be to spray paint a bunch of obscene things on the walls and then do a very bad job of wallpapering over the top of it. <laughs> so like, what the fuck's happened here? And then they pull the wallpaper off and then they go, oh, it's worse hey, somehow. Hey, each each strip of wallpaper that they pull off. Oh, no. no. Who wrote all landlord are turned on here? Come on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, crime pass. So just do that, and then when they come after you for money, just uh, print out this crime pass and show it to them, and you, you'll be fine. Um, I'm a classic uh, uh, poop in the toilet without flushing it. Kind mm. of oh, yeah. Because classic. you could always... There's plausible deniability there. You're like, oh, I was in such a hurry because you made the checkout time 8.30 a.m. that I, I forgot to flush the toilet. So there's... Yeah. Yeah, those were my turds, but... <laughs> poof, really Proof sorry, that they're mine. Proof that they're mine. <laughs> Could uh yeah, crime pass is to do a notorious reverse kanga into the toilet. I was gonna room. say that. I didn't yeah. know if we wanted to discuss that on the podcast. The logistics. I don't know what what are you describing? <laughs> what, is, what is that? Uh the reverse kanga, Lucy. <laughs> you, wanna... you can take it away, Andrew, it's all yours. The reverse kanga <laughs> is when you I I I think you have to take your pants all the way off. Start, yes. Start certainly. off. Start off by taking your pants all the way off. The reason why will be little kid clear. at the urinal style. You. you <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I think they, they don't just have to be down to the ankles. I think they got to come oh, off. Like off of your body. Yeah, yeah they've got to be off. Because you are then going to, much in the style of a cool teacher, you're then going to sit <laughs> backwards on the toilet. Okay. Um, straddling, you know, you can rest hey your arms. Hey, kids, let me break it down for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. You, you, you say to the toilet, "Let's wrap," <laughs> and then you, you sit on the toilet in reverse, and then you do your big turd, and instead of going into the water, it just sits on the porcelain right at the front of the toilet. 
This oh. this probably only works in Australia because you guys. I was going to say much, I'm not sure. It's there's so much water over you here. You guys got too much water in the toilets, whereas uh, in Australia, water level right down the bottom. Wait, we have more water in our toilets. You do. Yeah. Oh yeah, too, too much. Sure do. Too, too much. much. Way too much. Way too. Really? Much. Americans love two things when it comes to toilets: putting way too much water in there and uh, making sure it gets clogged all the fucking time because you haven't. <laughs> Your S-Bend technology is... I don't know what's going on there, but it's bad. Mm. No, I can relate to both of those things. <laughs> we've, got a, we've got a powerful flush here. We've got a powerful flush. Or a weaker flush if it's just urine. It's called dual flush, and it saves a lot of water, actually. That's true. Mind-blowing to these people. Let me just you know what? I do remember flush. going overseas and then staring at the flushing thing for, like, a full ten minutes, not knowing <laughs> which button to push. Just hoping that one of them's not, like, an ejector seat. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> A, a I real, didn't want to splash myself. A real three seashells scenario. Hundred <laughs> percent. But uh, but yeah, if you are in the presence of an Australian style toilet, if you're in an Australian Airbnb, throw them the old reverse kanga. Just leave it sitting there, out of the water. Then then <laughs> you got a full smell scenario going on. Toilet seat down, reverse you're out of there. Kanga. You know. Sounds like a beached whale sort of scenario. <laughs> yeah, right? like, yeah, that's right. Like, um, equally I'm so unhappy sorry about this scenario. Podcast. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. Yeah, bringing it down. Um, uh, if you are truly just... vicious, you can do it into the cistern instead and put the lid back on. Mm, like, sneaky. Mm. I just I know we don't often break news on this podcast because that would make sense because no one listens to it as it happens. But mm. just as a counterpoint to us saying that there's no way uh, that you can meaningfully engage with the way the Trump administration operates. Uh, some of you might have noticed that about four hours ago he posted a video uh, <laughs> with a weird cover of In the End by Linkin Park. Uh, <laughs> like a haunting piano version of it. Mike sent uh, this to me just before we started. I literally sent it right as we were about to start. I was like, you gotta look at this fucking it thing. Is genuinely insane, but it has also now been taken down due to a copyright claim. Oh, uh, no. devastating. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen... We got him. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Finally. Mike Shinoda fist pumps. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't stand for this. Oh, truly, truly baffling stuff. Um, it's it. You can say many things about this administration, but one of them is that they are just producing the most bizarre, like dissonance-inducing <laughs> cultural artifacts that I think have ever been seen. Hmm. Because, uh, I mean, like, most of most of the stuff from... I mean, it, it sort of feels to me like most of the... Most of the cultural artifacts of previous presidencies are things that people made in response or in reference to the presidencies. They're not things that the president themselves was did producing. Did himself. <laughs> <laughs> Just a meme factory. Yeah. He is a content creator. It's true. Really Gotta is. say that about him. Soul of a poster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, thanks very much for joining us, Mike. Uh, where can people read your various writings? Oh yeah, so uh, thank you for having me. Um, I am a tech reporter at the New York Times. Uh, just go there if you like reading about tech news, I guess. And um, I also wrote this book. Uh, it's called Super Pumped: The Battle for Uber uh, and Andrew and Lucy, yours will be coming, and Theo, if he's not too busy playing Bloodborne all the time, for, <laughs> he's reading a book. <laughs> yeah. He's very um, busy but, playing Bloodborne. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and that should be out. I think it's in stores over there, too. So, 
it's just the battle for uber excellent yeah well, thank you for having me this was a dream thank you so much for joining us and uh yeah we'll see you next week everybody Bye-bye. bye bye bye